The following program is sponsored by Evangelical Life Ministries. Welcome to Engaging Truth, the manifestation of God's Word in the lives of people around us. Join us each week as we explore the impact of His message of spiritual renewal. From the lesson of forgiveness forged in the crucible of divorce, to the message of salvation learned by an executioner from a condemned killer, to the gift of freedom found in the rescue of victims of human trafficking. This is God's Truth in Action. Welcome to Engaging Truth. This is Dave Schultz, your host for this particular program. And we have a special guest who I've known for more than six months, more than almost 50 years. Welcome, George Spicer, to the mic tonight. Thank you. And if you don't mind, I'll call you Pastor, because uh, we have known each other that long. And uh, for me, you are still my pastor, although uh, I guess we could say we're colleagues as well. Uh, I remember the great days when you led our church in Mesa, Arizona, and uh, growing up under your tutelage was a real blessing for me. And and I think one of the reasons why um, I gravitated toward parish ministry, just watching your example of how you treated and touched people with the gospel. Would you give kind of a summary, a brief summary about how we met And if you recall those days, I recall them, but I think it'd be more beautiful if you would share them. Well, what I recall is uh, coming home one day from high school uh, after a basketball practice and walking into our house and finding this uh, person I'd never met, uh, looked pretty young. And my parents introduced you as the new pastor in town. And uh, at that point, my perception of the clergy were older guys and uh, not particularly active in sports, uh, not not up on current events and so forth. And instead, I found uh, in a in a guy uh, an outstanding athlete and somebody who seemed to be able to relate to me. And uh, I remember thinking, this is a pretty cool pastor here. I think I can like this guy. Well, George, since that particular time, uh, you've gone into seminary and uh, graduated from the seminary, and you've had many different ministry settings. Let's talk about that a little bit. Coming out of the seminary, I was uh, ordained and installed at a church in Festus, Missouri. I served there about four years. It was a great group of, of uh, people. We were uh, in effect a mission church. And there was great spirit about reaching the neighborhood uh, with the gospel. Um, Then after about four years, I received a call to Island Lutheran Church in Hilton Head Island, South Carolina, which was quite a a change of pace from what I'd experienced in Festus. Uh, We were there almost four years uh, when I received a call to come to Life in Christ Lutheran Church in Peoria. That was kind of a homecoming for my wife and I. Uh, Our three kids had already moved back to the Phoenix area because this is where they were born and and grew up and uh, spent 17 years at Life in Christ, retiring this past October. Was Life in Christ just a small mission church when you were called there? Yeah, when I arrived to meet the congregation in October of 2004, 
um, I met them in a house that they had remodeled. And uh, it could seat about 70 people fairly comfortably. And, and any more than that, then people were jammed in there like the proverbial sardines in a can. Um, but they considered themselves a mission church as well. And there was a great spirit among that people. Um, the church had been born, I guess, uh, out of a controversy that had taken place. And so the people who helped to plant the church um, had this idea that they were going to be very welcoming. Anybody that came to visit life in Christ was going to, um, they were going to know that they were appreciated for coming. And uh, let's see, we started services in January. By March, we had to add a second service. Uh, we broke ground for a new um, worship building in 07, moved in in 08, and God just kept blessing what we were doing. And I, I came to see from that that um, a church could really make an impact in its community if you had friendly, welcoming people and you preached the gospel. And uh, that was really our secret, if, if there was one, to what God did at Life in Christ. I think what I've learned over years in ministry is that you can speak an awful lot, but the way we behave is oftentimes the winning product when it comes to people coming back to worship with us. And I think your humble, joyous, thankful nature can easily be seen, and I think that the Lord used to draw people to life in Christ church. Yeah, I, I think... Um... When, when you come to church on a Sunday and a stranger that you don't know hugs you and welcomes you <laughs> and tells, tells you that they're glad that you're there, um, most people don't run away. They're actually excited. And I'm sure you know, probably one of the most difficult things to do for anyone on a Sunday morning is go to a place where they don't know a soul and have no idea how they're going to be welcomed. And churches who throw the doors open, throw their people who throw their arms open, um, I, I think, uh, can really reach people. Uh, folks Folks are looking for acceptance these days. Well, the message for you and for me has always been the same. Go and tell. And there's only one message, and that's Jesus. You know, without that, there is no church. Without that, there is no eternity. You know, and I just thank God that you picked up on that so early in life, even as a young man, as I remember. And um, and it drove you eventually to to want to seek a time in seminary to, to become prepared to, to learn how to do this, uh, in quotes, out of quotes, professionally. And so, George, I'm sure proud that God has used you in so many different ways and that God used me in a small way to to just be a a dad surrogate dad for you for all those years i got a, a question that i'm curious about and i did not know about this really until i went to your retirement party where did the beatles come into this whole thing um well growing up in tucson arizona i was i think 12 years old when i heard my first beatles song on the radio and became a fan of their music, not necessarily all of the things that they they uh, upheld. Um, I just liked the music a lot. And um, uh, 
I, I like all kinds of music, really, but um, the congregation there at Life in Christ know of my my love for the Beatles, and um, they certainly did up my retirement um, with lots of decorations and things like that. I wasn't expecting it, but um, had, that was part of a great time that day during the retirement ceremony. Well, early on in life, I can remember my dear mother, who you knew from the past, said, that thing, Elvis Presley, don't you ever go to one of his movies, because that would be living in absolute sin. I remember <laughs> But she said something about the Beatles, too, but it wasn't so harsh. But anyway. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, what? What did you want ministry to look like when you first came to Life in Christ? Um, I guess you've given an expression of it so far, but what did you want that thing to look like after you've been there a year, two, five, ten years? I, I wanted—it was important to me that we not lose sight of why God had placed this there in the first place. And that was to keep loving people, to keep welcoming people, uh, to help them to grow in their love for the Lord. And and uh, and uh, discipleship was a very important part of that. Um, it, it's just exciting. And I know you've experienced this uh, when you watch people um, who are touched by the gospel and how that gospel can, can change them. And as they get excited about Jesus and what he has done for them, it motivates people uh, to want to share that good news with others. And um, we did a lot of different things to canvas neighborhoods. Uh, we took uh, the words of Acts 1-8, uh, go to Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. We divided up our, our five-mile radius of neighborhood and we created uh, the immediate neighborhood around the church's Jerusalem. And then we expanded the circle, and that became our Judea and Samaria. And then we expanded the circle even more, and that became our um, the rest of the world, so to speak. And so we just focused on each one of those areas. Uh, we did lots of doorknob hanging and uh, trying to engage people um, where they were at. and. Uh, God just kept growing our church. He just kept bringing more and more people who uh, were hungry for some good news, uh, some encouragement, uh, a word of peace, a word of hope. And uh, you know, I, I have tons of books on my shelf about how to grow to church, but I've never found any of them as uh, effective as just... Um, witnessing to people uh, the great love of Jesus Christ for them. I guess one of the most beautiful things in ministry is all of a sudden someone who you have not seen for years, have not heard from for years, all of a sudden they appear back in front of you and say, I just want to thank God for you because of what you did to help me to see Jesus more clearly. And, and I think that's the blessing of ministry, isn't it? I mean, we don't look forward to that. We, we don't wait for people to come. But when it happens, it's beautiful. Uh, Luther taught in the Catechism, I, I believe, that uh, you know, God, the Holy Spirit works when and where he pleases. And so uh, we don't always know how 
the spirit is going to work through that word to to change a person's heart but it it certainly is exciting when um as you say someone who you thought had no interest in the gospel no interest in being a member of the church to suddenly return and say you know i've really been thinking about what you shared with me and um, i want to know more about this jesus that's the most beautiful thing that I think of as I think back upon my many years in ministry is the the sudden appearance of someone whom you have maybe forgotten about, maybe you have not given a lot of prayer time to, but all of a sudden reappears and says, thank you for what you meant to me as you shared Jesus with me. Uh, let me share one story very quickly because it relates to you. If you remember one of the things we did at Pilgrim Lutheran was to get these uh, small New Testaments, and we put uh, what some people call the Roman Way uh, in the front of them, the, the Bible verses that uh, lead a person to recognize their need for Jesus and and to confess that, that faith. Uh, I had an instance when I was in the radio business where a fellow came to me, moved to Phoenix, struggled to find a job, we gave him a little part-time job, and uh, one day I witnessed to him. I used that New Testament to show him God's love in Jesus Christ. And he said to me, you know, um, I've heard all this before. I've, I've tried it before. I just don't think this is for me. And I was very disappointed because I thought, well, gee, I, I shared these verses properly, and, and uh, he should have said, yeah, I want to be a Christian. Uh, didn't see him for about a month. He walked in one day and told me that he was leaving, had gotten a job back in Oklahoma. And then as an aside said, by the way, I really thought a lot about what you said to me. And my wife and I've gone back to church. Didn't see that coming. And only the Holy Spirit uh, could receive the credit for that. One of the things I was thinking about as you were talking about that was going to the radio station one night, a couple, two, three years ago, and the guest that was coming from a different state never showed up. And here it was one minute to seven, and we had a brand new guy at the monitor that, that day. We had never seen him before. And I knew that I had to produce 24 minutes, uh, and I had not been prepared to do this. And when I did and the 24 minutes was finished, he dropped his earphones and he looked at me and said, that was the clearest message of Jesus I have ever heard. And he'd been on radio for years. So maybe that's why God uses us, George. But now in retirement, you've got lots of other things to do. Let's talk about the blog that you write every day of the year. Uh, I started the blog in 2011. Uh, I had been, I'd received a three-month sabbatical from the Eli Lilly company. And uh, part of that sabbatical would be some travel that my wife and I would do in Europe. And one of our members said, why don't you start a blog and tell us uh, about your travels and where you've been, what you've seen, what you've heard, and, and so forth. So I started the blog and used that as a way of keeping people up to date with where we were going. We we were scheduled to travel to Austria, Germany, and, and England. 
when I got back from all of that, the many in the congregation said, could you keep that going? It was fun to receive or be able to see these messages from you every day. So I, I kind of sit there and think, well, what would I do with a blog? And um, I've found it to be a blessing in a number of different ways. One, it's a great communication tool. Um, you know from your own parish ministry that uh, on Sunday you get a chance to touch a lot of lives. But during the week, we can sometimes feel disconnected from our members. I, I found the blog to be a good way to stay in touch with those who wanted to read it. Um, it became a teaching tool. I would post Bible studies up there, and um, it, it was um, a tool that I could use to bring a word of encouragement to people. I like to write. I'm not a great writer at all, but um, I found it fun to be able to uh, uh, write about various things that were happening in our society and relate those back to the gospel. It just became a, a way for me to to reach people that um, maybe I wouldn't have been able to connect with otherwise. And I, and I would say this, a blog is no substitute for meeting people one-on-one. -on -one. Um, that, that is the best way. But um, nowadays you can't, you can't see people regularly. Um, in this day and age, not everyone answers their phone. Uh, not everyone is excited when you come to the door to uh, visit. So something like a blog turned out to be a great way for me to stay connected with the people in our church. How has the pandemic affected the blog, if any way? Oh, it, it um, probably only increased its importance. Um, our church went on a hiatus for three or four months. Um, we were videotaping a service, but we had no connection with anyone. And uh, again, the blog turned out to be a great way of, of uh, communicating with members, letting them know that uh, even though we weren't meeting as a church, um, you know, uh, I'd not forgotten about them, and we still cared about them. And uh, we used the blog to uh, to share uh, uh, the word of God to to be an encouragement to people. Uh, you know, lots of folks were afraid; they're still afraid um, with with regard to uh, the pandemic and COVID nineteen and all that. And to be able to point them to Scripture, where Jesus says. Uh, you know, I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Isaiah uh, uh, telling us in, in chapter 55 that, that we're, we're God's children, that God loves and cares for us. And to, for people to know that uh, God had not forgotten them in something that uh, was as difficult and trying as the pandemic uh, really blessed a lot of people. And I noticed the number of hits I got on my blog uh, increased greatly during that period of time. How do people how do people get back to you when you write the blog? Is there an opportunity for them to write back, to email back, to text back? How do they do that? Yeah, I I have uh, when I started the blog, I disabled the comments um, uh, tool, mostly because I've been advised by people that um, if you're going to solicit comments, then you really have to keep an eye on that blog. And um, I didn't want to become one of those pastors that sat at his desk all day on his computer. 
Um, so I, I disabled that. But uh, through that, people have contacted me uh, via email. They've called at the church. Uh, people have reached out to me via Facebook Messenger. So I do get some feedback on on what we're posting, and um, that's given me some thoughts and ideas about future posts, and uh, I guess just the good ideas to how well the blog is working for me. My secretary for the media team uh, wrote me the other day, or she texted me and said, oh, I read that every day. He's a friend of yours, I said, only for 50 years. Uh, George, now that you're in retirement, what is what does retirement look like for you in in terms of how the Lord is going to use you? I had some good advice from a seminary professor who recently retired. He's a friend of ours, and uh, he said to me, "George, you need to learn to say one word, and don't be afraid to say it often." And that word is no, because lots of people are going to have lots of different ideas for what you should be doing in retirement. And he said, let something find you. Um, and, uh, you know, God will, God will see that that, that happens. Um, so I'm going to be doing some uh, preaching at uh, the church where my wife and I are presently attending. I'm going to continue to work with the blog. Uh, I've written probably 500 devotions over the course of uh, 17 years of ministry here at Life in Christ, uh, I may start to dig through those and publish them in a book form. Um, and we'll see what else God has in mind. Uh, I guess right now uh, everything is on the table and, and uh, we're open to see what might come next. Well, I can guarantee you that having retired twice and maybe a third time, uh, that uh, the time fills up very quickly if you let it. And exactly the big word you have to have in your vocabulary is no. George, we only have a couple minutes left. What does ministry look like around the corner? Not just your ministry, but our ministry in the world. I am so pleased that uh, a dream that you had for so many years um, to uh, have an effective radio outreach, media outreach, uh, has come to fruition with uh, what you're doing there in Texas. It's exciting to see that that dream has come alive and the impact that uh, this program is having on other people. Uh, I think um, the, the church needs to learn every way that it can uh, to utilize social ministry, uh, to use radio, to use television. Um, I think is people become more and more insulated. Um, these are going to be the tools that we'll need to, to master and to be able to use uh, so that we keep on fulfilling the great commission that God has given to us. I love that passage in Matthew twenty four fourteen. The gospel of the kingdom must be preached in all the world as a witness to many, and then shall the end come. George, we're down to the last minute, and um, I'd like to ask you, to take 45 seconds of that in prayer. Would you do that right now? We pray. Gracious God, Heavenly Father, we thank you for friendship, for the friendship that uh, Dave and I have had for over 50 years. Thank you for the example that he set for me 
to, to show how the gospel can truly penetrate the lives of people and to change them and to give them a hope and a future. Lord, we pray your continued blessings on this radio ministry, that it would continue to touch many lives, and that you would show us, Lord, how to be effective in sending out this message uh, so that more and more people come to know that Jesus Christ is their Savior and that nothing can separate them from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, their Lord and Savior. We pray all of this today in Jesus' name. Thank you for being with us on Engaging Truth. Come back next Sunday night. Good night. Thank you for listening to this broadcast of Engaging Truth. Be sure to join us each week at this time. To help support our ministry, contact Evangelical Life Ministries, Post Office Box 568, Cypress, Texas, 77410, or visit our website at elmhouston.org, or find us on Facebook at Evangelical Life Ministries. Thank you.